to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gen podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Levenbrand. I'm the managing director of Bright Vision as well as host of this podcast. Today we're going to talk about actionable tips for customer-driven B2B innovation and growth. Such a hot topic these days. And we have an expert in this area with us today, Etienne Garbugli, who is the founder and CEO of Lean B2B, which is a leading training organization for business-to-business entrepreneurs and innovators. And as well, not only doing that, Etienne has also written several books uh, that focus on levering customer insights and building and growing new businesses. And I'm stoked to have you with us. So welcome to our podcast, Etienne. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have this uh, discussion with you here today because these are really interesting topics and there's so much going on in innovation and growth around Say some marketing for B2B today. Yeah. And uh, so there's a ton of things we would like to discuss here. But I'm also very interested on your background and what are you up to these days and so forth. So please give us a short introduction who you are and what are you doing and so forth. Yeah. 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 So I, I have been uh, starting businesses since roughly 2006. I work on different, different tech companies, mostly in B2B. And uh, in 2011, uh, when I, I started working on a company uh, based on the lean startups, so the, 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 the seminal book from Eric Ries, I started to apply the techniques and the, the, the theories in the book and realized that that didn't actually work super well with the B2B space, which kind of drove me into trying to figure out how, uh, how to best apply this in, in B2B. I work with a lot of different entrepreneurs who had been uh, working in B2B for several years, who have been successful in the space, uh, to try to come up with some form of methodology that could actually uh, kind of fit the fit the um, uh, fit B2B a little better to be able to increase the success rate of B2B ventures. Uh, this has led me over the years to write more books in that space, and I've been working with different types of organizations to help them with their innovation process, working with entrepreneurs, trying to get them uh, to grow their business. Great. What a journey. And I love that, uh, you know, that you applied your own thinking and modified uh, an already great framework uh, with a Lean B2B startup book there, which I have read also. And it's, yes. it's really inspiring. And yes. uh, I think you're onto something there, definitely. And, uh, and I think marketing have, to a large extent, pivoted towards more agile and lean uh, planning and, and more you know, these growth marketing space that we have seen. Come yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. That's definitely a good space to be in. So you have, you know, applied the lean methodology to B2B marketing and sales, and you have yes. coined the term lean B2B methodology and so forth. Yes. And written books about it. So can you explain a bit more, you know, uh, the basics of that methodology and how you what are the fundamental things that you have come across that you see are the you know foundation yes. of doing lean B2B, so to say? <laughs> yes, yes. So, so if we start from the idea of uh, Eric Ries' lean startup, 
which had different principles based on uh, acquiring uh, validated learning. So to be able to discover different parts of your business model, being able to as well uh, uh, work in a process where you can actually track the progress that you're making, be able to experiment and to, to learning different, different aspects of your business model. So some of the concerns that I saw in that space is that for one, um, in B2B, you're often dealing with smaller markets. You're also dealing with different stakeholders. You're dealing with different type of people that you need to understand and may have different perspectives and organizations. Uh, so just trying to apply that relationship building aspect, which was not at all in the, the lean startup and kind of find a way to find the, the in-between um, uh, approach of kind of combining both. So combining the aspects of innovation where I am learning about a business model and discovering the aspects that work. But at the same time, I need to tie this into sales where I understand the different stakeholders that I need to work with to understand their needs, understand their positions, understand different players that I'm I'm interfacing with in organizations and combining that into a, a current, current um, uh, structure that can help you uh, gain, uh, gain ground in different organizations as you're working with them. So it's basically combining uh, the, the lean startup innovation aspects with more the complex sales uh, elements from, let's say, new strategic thinking or different approaches like that, and bringing in different tools from customer development that can be useful in, the, in that kind of context. Okay, that's interesting. And for people who want to dive into this a bit, can you just give us uh, the short list of your books you have written about? So yeah. it's your first book yet you outlined yeah. this in? Yeah, so, so the first book uh, kind of takes you to uh, starting a business in B2B from scratch. So either you have expertise that you've built over the years working uh, uh, as an agency or working in organizations, and you want to use your domain expertise to kind of build something that is meaningful in the market, bring a new solution to the market. So that was the first one. The second one was once you've, you're established, you've, you reach maybe what is often called a product market fit. So you have a business that actually uh, solves a need in the market. You want to keep driving growth for the organization. So your, your, the, the book that I wrote, Solving Product, is about trying to find those different, uh, different ways of uh, creating more growth by working with your customers, working with your users uh, uh, in proximity to be able to understand how to better adjust your, your positioning. Uh, and the third one that I have is kind of the reverse. So if you have a, a, a technology product, you have some kind of solution in place, which is often tends to happen and you are trying to find a market for it. Uh, so kind of going backwards, it's kind of like this, uh, this uh, series that kind of works together and hopefully tackles a lot of the needs of uh, the, uh, the innovators. Yeah, and I think there's so much uh, interest there. So one of your books, you know, find your market there. I, I think that's really interesting for tech companies. And at Brightvision, we, we work only with B2B tech companies as our clients, you know, so finding the the market and the buyer persona and you know also mapping out which yep. phase in the technology adoption life cycle they're in we're heavily influenced by crossing the chasm and and jeffrey moore which yep. we had the opportunity to have on the podcast a year ago here and and so forth but what do you think but this is really hard you know finding <laughs> especially for companies uh on their <laughs> who's in the situation you know yeah a, te a technology looking for a customer so to say <laughs> where they can apply it for many different problems and, and so forth so uh i think that's one of the absolutely hardest things for tech startups and, and technology new technology and especially disruptive products 
So what's your take on finding a product? Have you a process for that you would like to tell us about that you have seen work well for tech companies? Finding a product or finding a, a market? A market, a market okay. segment. Uh, so in that case, one thing that I kind of thought was very interesting is, is uh, I did a lot of interviews. So I, I tried to, to do interviews with every book I, I do with the types of founders that I was hoping to cater to. And one thing that I realized is that a lot of uh, people in technology have a very um, a nebulous understanding of what a market actually is. So just clarifying that piece was a big part of the, the, the process because it often feels like a lot of companies will kind of either get customers left and right, not necessarily uh, being very strategic in the way they will uh, approach uh, building a market or they will uh, take the wrong messages and build the wrong thing for the, the wrong types of audience. So there's two different approach that I looked at in, in the book specifically. So one is, is related to uh, once you're starting to have some customers. So, so let's say uh, a technology product is starting to have customers in different segments, different niche. How would you clarify which segment is the best or which, which market you should be focusing on so you can double down and you can accelerate? So that's one approach that's covered. And the other one is when you know what your, your, the value of the, the product that you have is, is but you don't know exactly uh, who would actually benefit from that value. So are you actually strategically evaluate different segments so you can figure out which ones have the greatest need or the greatest uh, pain uh, that they see in, in this type of product? So in this case, it allows you to uh, rapidly be able to test different, different segments so you can actually test which ones are most relevant for your, your, your technology. And I see this a lot with, uh, so a lot of the companies that I've worked with, with, with this approach are uh, in deep tech. So whenever there's a solution that could actually uh, benefit to different segments. So for example, a uh, data visualization tool that could work as well in pharma, but could also work in, in, uh, in petrol or another industry. So in these situations, sometimes you need to prioritize the market. So you want to figure out which one is most compelling. So you don't waste months of going to the market in the wrong direction, or you don't build the wrong type of functionalities based on the wrong needs. That's great. Great insight there. And, and uh, sounds like a good process you have uh, developed based on those interviews. That's really interesting. So, so uh, from that perspective, try to look for the pains and do an interview and do, do you actually think startups should target many campaign uh, many segments at the same time with marketing campaigns and, and sales efforts or how long should you know you go through uh, uh to 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 get this data and and try it out what's your experience from a technical uh, standpoint i'm a, i'm a big uh, believer in in trying to focus on on one specific segment and then gradually ex extend it so a little bit, I, I you you were mentioning how you guys spoke to uh, Jeffrey Moore, like in his book, he was talking about the uh, the what's the, name? the the bowling pin strategy. Yeah, and that's very much I think in the right direction where you start with something that is you look for the 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 audience or the segment or the the group of customers that have the biggest pain, and then gradually you flesh it out as you increase the 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 benefits from the product, but kind of working with the ecosystem that you're in. Uh, so to kind of find the 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 the, uh, the sweet spot and then kind of explain, explain it from there. Mm. Yeah, that's great, awesome. And uh, you're also writing a lot of, about innovation and B two B company growth. Yeah, that derives from customer interaction. So, what are would you say 
the essentials to consider when innovating and drive growth in B2B tech companies, for example. And, you know, uh, how to adopt that customer-driven innovation from your, your standpoint. Yeah, yeah. So, so one thing that we're kind of seeing with that is it's very difficult to do that if it doesn't come from the, the top of the company. So if there's not that kind of mindset that is uh, a little bit uh, pushed across the organization as important. Uh, so different ways to do it. I think it's it's a good, um, I was just looking at Bright Vision, like you guys are working with organizations on different parts of their funnels, different services that you're offering. But most of these, uh, these, uh, these parts of the funnel actually generate data. That is actually very interesting data for your customers, or that is very interesting data for organizations when you're doing sales calls, when you're doing, um, when you're working with, uh, for example, which, which ads get clicked, which, uh, which information is getting collected. So all of this actually kind of gives you like a base of data information that can actually help uh, you understand what the, the, uh, the drivers are, or help you understand what the objections are. So being able to at least at a minimum gain, uh, capture that insight, capture that information, and then you, you can be more strategic in terms of what you want to learn and you, 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 wanna, you wanna do based on the availability of resources. Uh, it's very difficult for an organization to go all in with the customer centricity uh, if they don't have some successes to show for. So kind of generate those initial wins where you're able to, okay, so based on the information that our sales team is collecting on the field, we're able to get this information. This is already a good start. It's allowing us to redo our landing page or rework uh, the, the way we speak with customers. But from there, you can start being more strategic. If there's elements of your, your business model that you know are not as tight or as, as functional as you, you would like to, them to be. So it's more of a progressive uh, road into, into this uh, going all in in a direction without necessarily having the support of the organization or necessarily having uh, the, the capacities will be very, very difficult. Yeah. So starting from the top and make sure you have a management team that actually into innovation and want to spearhead and champion those initiatives and also finance them and fund them, of course, yes, absolutely. Uh, in different ways. Yeah. So uh, if you coming from a company who maybe have had a home run with a product, you know, you're doing well, but, you know, it's, it's maybe flattening it out a little bit and it's time to innovate and try to be smart and find new new things to do or, or just want to optimize. Yeah. Do you have any tactics or, or you know, wh where should you start? How should you go about if you're a marketing manager, for example, who wants to be a part of this change? In that case, you'd like to re-energize re the, the current product or you'd like to create something new? Um, let's re-energize. I think that's okay. the most common uh, yes. problem, even though everybody needs to find a new product as well, but that's maybe a bigger problem. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So from a marketing perspective, it's typically to, to prolong the life cycle of the product and, and yeah, try to bring up the the yes. excitement around the product and offering. Yes, I'm a big believer just speaking with customers, so starting with uh, understanding the the, the, the sub-channel, the sub-segments that are within the customer base, especially as you keep growing, chances are that the product starts attracting uh, different types of audience that may not be seeing themselves fully in the marketing or may not be able to, uh, to gain value from the product as easily. So finding a way to kind of understand who you're dealing with and just readjusting that because as you keep evolving as a business, there's going to be different types of audience, different types of people that are attracted to the product. 
but just reflecting those reality can help you um, capture those those different sub segments that are maybe maybe just dropping out at the moment. So that may be a good good base of just uh, solidifying what you're actually doing. And in case of uh, trying to to accelerate growth, I think it might be interesting to look at um, specifically where they, they, these 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 people are discovering uh, the 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 product and kind of reverse engineering that so you can actually go a little earlier within their process of discovery. So trying to get more into the intent and where people are trying to explore the, the product. Interesting to hear. So uh, that's good. You know, the, over the last few years, we have seen the growth hacking movement. And now that has turned into growth marketing, I would say. Yeah. Uh, movement where we see a lot of marketeers working with uh, trying to be more digital, more smart, more innovative using more of the lean methodologies and, and the software development methodologies, you know, uh, coming into the marketing department and something you have been promoting yeah. for 10 years now. Yeah. And now, now it's definitely coming alive. So how would you define growth marketing? And, and uh, do you think it will be something every marketing department will need to adjust to in the coming future? I, I think uh, so. The way growth marketing has been defined is sometimes a little bit, I guess, kind of been a little bit uh, badly perceived or led to bad perception a little bit. Where you had this idea of growth hacking is that I'm experimenting and trying to exploit a little bit the users or the customers of my business with some dark practices, dark patterns, or different ways to kind of force people to convert when they didn't necessarily want to. So I think that aspect probably the general idea if you look at growth marketing which is probably more about testing experimenting and then connecting and finding ways to, to generate new growth which i think will still make sense in the future is still a way to discover new territory new new ways of uh, growing the business so i think that part will definitely keep keep going uh, i think there's a positioning aspect that that was a little bit negative but i do feel that that's still the way if tomorrow i was to to start working in an organization and be in charge of growth, I would still find some kind of process to be able to discover the things that we don't know. Like building some of that validated learning that I mentioned earlier is extremely important because if you are not able to gain some conclusive evidence about different channels, or have an idea of what actually connects with audiences, you're kind of just spinning your wheels and, and trying to uh, just throw spaghetti at the walls until something sticks, which is probably not as effective. <laughs> No, exactly. That's so interesting. Yeah, and I'm a firm believer in growth marketing myself that, you know, marketing and sales have been quite traditional uh, departments in, in the corporate structure. I think most of the innovation we've seen is coming from the product development uh, yeah. and to, to some extent also production and quality and so forth, where they have had, in many ways, a higher innovation pace than sales and marketing that have, yeah, yeah you know. To a large extent, we're doing the same brochures, even though they're digital now and sitting on the website instead. It's, it's, yeah. it's all in all, it's not that uh, freaking innovative uh, compared to what we do on the product side, so to say. So I think it's definitely a high time for, for the marketing department to apply those marketing uh, innovative testing techniques and so forth. So I think so the marketing department of the future in order to be able to to actually do these things what do you see is necessary to have in your team 
do you look for other competencies or do you need, you know, what do you need? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so having worked in marketing departments myself, I, I think a lot of the bottlenecks that we're often faced with the fact that that these teams kind of get siloed up, especially in technology companies where the product usually takes a lot of the, a lot of the space and then maybe the sales team or maybe the marketing team, depending if it's, it's, more, uh, it's more acquisition driven or more sales driven. Uh, I think having a better collaboration between these teams is definitely a good way to uh, increase the velocity or increase as well the learning, the learning rate. So I've seen in some organizations where you have uh, teams that are basically uh, a mix of engineers, a mix of marketers and product managers. Uh, there's a there's a big approach that's being pushed to, toward in the the, uh, the product side about the the product trios. I think something kind of like that, like having smaller teams that are releasing more often, that are doing more tests, that are doing more things as a as a smaller units, and then get evaluated in a more macro uh, setting. I think is something that's really interesting. I do think there's also uh, probably more things that. I, I really like the, the there's there's some organizations that do a lot of stuff around the uh, even further out, like before before I did the start of the intent where people are starting to do their search and all these things. I think that's going to become a much bigger thing as well, trying to experiment with that. So mm -hmm. I think this is definitely going to be uh, that I see as well, a big growth in terms of marketing team becoming uh, content uh, creation ups as well becoming a little more like in internal agencies a little bit. So there's all these different trends that we're seeing. I think in general, uh, the idea of being better integrated in the, the product delivery and in, in, in everything and having better synergy within the, within the organization will definitely be a big, uh, a big, big uh, winning move. Mm. Interesting. So interesting. And um, from that perspective, uh, so if if we want to continue to grow uh, from a tactical standpoint, do you see any low hanging fruits for next year in 2023? Where should B2B marketing organizations uh, look and invest? Do you see any trends or uh, smart moves to do? Uh, either if it's uh, you know from an organizational or methodology standpoint, or if it's from a you know tactical campaign standpoint, do you see any? things we'll need to have on our radar? Uh, this will definitely sound very self-serving and kind of connected with what I mentioned before, but just doing more uh, work, speaking with customers and better mapping a little bit the, uh, the, uh, the, the desire and the reasons why people are using your product and all these things. I think that will just generate a bunch of different things that can be very useful for you, for your organization. I think when in doubt, it's always a good idea to speak to your customer and kind of take that step back that Kay gives you uh, either new avenues or new paths for for growth. Mm. That's a good answer. I think that's always the north star you should be looking for. You know, what does the customer say? <laughs> yeah, but some, yeah, yeah. But sometimes they don't say the the, the 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 they don't say things that are directly useful, but they will be useful in the fact that they either misunderstand it or they're not going in the same direction or just misalignment happening. So it's also valuable if they, you don't get answers that are in the realm of what you're looking for. No, exactly. Even though uh, I know, you know, it's it's a fine balance as uh, as they often quoted uh, Ford, Henry Ford quote there, you know, if you ask the customer, they want a faster horse. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, 
it's still true though that's the problem they want to solve and it's it's uh of course you can have a disruptive innovation like the car a hundred years ago but but uh, yeah we need or, to find our our products that solves the problem yeah or chat gpt right now exactly <laughs> and chat gpt we talked about it a little bit in the before we put it on press uh press the record button here so if we just Go into that a little bit. How do you see ChatGPT disruptive uh, disrupt the marketing uh, today? I think it's very difficult to imagine that something like that will not have an impact on all workflows, uh, mm. human workflows internally in an organization. Just just the writing emails or or uh, working on a plan or, or putting together different ideas. I listened to another podcast recently where they were talking about how that's actually going to be a direct competitor to 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 uh, Google because of the fact that it's way easier for us to um, to modify queries uh, based on 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 output like this as opposed to modifying like finding the right keywords that we type. It's easier for us to just adjust or what we're looking for in terms of term, terms of results. I did do think that that's that's likely that's uh, that that this will actually become. Um, a faster way for us to kind of brainstorm with ourselves and get different types of input, test different ideas, get different input. So it's very difficult uh, to imagine someone who is working in a creative creative field not using it in some capacity, mm. uh, depending how they, 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 they decide to use it. Then after that, building businesses on that, I don't know. I think that might be tricky in some ways because the technology will be changing really fast, but yes. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of go things going on there. So it's hard to imagine what the future holds. But as you said, we better be on our toes now because now it's moving fast and uh, something that was easy to do or, or hard to do yesterday, it's easy to do today and so forth. So the competence in your marketing and sales team need to be you know, adjusted and we also need to re-skill um, re our our teams so yeah. so they don't work in the same way as we did before chat gpt because now we can reduce or um yeah just replace some of that work amount hopefully with chat yeah, gpt yeah. that's at least what it looks like we could use it for but it's it's a bit new for us uh, so far <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's one of these interesting moments where there seems to be like a lot of like uncertainty that's kind of thrown in the, you know, on everybody like this but it's interesting that that makes the future promising, but also a little bit scary. Yeah, definitely. Well, I know you're, uh, um, you know, you have a lot of things going on. So thank you so much for taking your time and letting us pick your brain. At the end, where, you know, people who would like to know more about growth driven uh, marketing and, and uh, how, how to do customer, you know, centric marketing for B2B companies, where can we send them so they can read more about you, your books and your content? Yes. yes. So you can simply go to, to uh, leanb2bbook.com uh, mm -hmm. for everything related to the books, the training, the, the workshops, everything. Otherwise just search by my name. I should be easy to find. I'm the only one with that name in the world. <laughs> Good point. Do you work as a sales, marketing, or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. 
by creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry. We help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. Well, thank you so much, Etienne. I wish you, uh, that was great to uh, hear all these insights. Uh, thank you so much for explaining that for us. I'm sure we can pick up uh, many things here we can apply to our daily, life, daily lives in, in marketing and sales. So thank Perfect. you so much for that. And I wish you all the best in the future. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to lead generation strategies for b2b tech companies don't forget to subscribe you will find it where podcasts live discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com <laughs>